0: I'm Teffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age.
1: This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah. Yeah!
0: We'd like to take the time before we start to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. I think that's really come to light this week as eyes are on Palestine. We're talking about the effects of colonialism, the effects of stolen land, and, and looking at relationships with the land. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that Uh, colonialism is damaging and is genocidal everywhere it happens so if we are going to stand in solidarity with Palestine as this show does it's important to also stand in solidarity with the people who the people who have the right to the land or the indigenous communities where we live and um, challenge colonialist mindsets everywhere that they that they occur this week, I'm really excited about this week. This week, we're talking about Faith by Julie Murphy. Uh, we've read books by Julie Murphy before. We did um, the review of... Was it Dumplin' that we did a while back? It was Dumplin'. It was Dumplin'. Yeah. It was Dumplin'. I'm such a big fan of her as a writer. I think she's really, really skilled. And this I was particularly really excited about because it is a fat, queer, superhero book. And... I loved it. I really did. I have like a few little nitpicky things. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Faith Herbert is 17 years old when she gets kidnapped into a creepy lab and released with the ability to fly. In addition to having the ability to fly, she also has two very good best friends who I want to spend a bunch of time talking about, uh, a beloved grandmother, and is obsessively uh, engrossed in a TV series um, which is kind of like a soap opera slash Riverdale, but it's been going on for many generations like a soap opera about teenagers with supernatural powers. She has a fan blog and kind of everything gets going when she meets Dakota, who is the lead on the show. It's fun. I don't read superhero novels very much. It was fun.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I think there were some things, yeah, the, like maybe genre conventions that I didn't quite get, but i i liked it a lot and i wish that i had read and then maybe we'll hunt down and read like the comics that faith is from because that's cool also because this is this is technically like the origin story of a established comic book character which is neat
0: yeah very neat so it's the origin story of Zephyr. I will admit that um, although I have not been keeping up with movies in recent years because something about having small children, I am really like the superhero genre. I really enjoy watching superhero movies and uh, have been following the Marvel Universe until I had a small uh, baby a couple of years ago, at which point I dropped off watching movies. But I really enjoyed getting back into it. There's something about an origin story and there's something about having superpowers that was really really fun and charming
1: hmm yeah I am not like a big superhero person necessarily but I am like a science fiction fantasy person and like superheroes are just modern day fantasy essentially
0: oh 100% absolutely
1: so we pretend they're different genres but they're basically the same genre
0: <laughs> yeah for sure I mean there's like I would say that aesthetically there's a different feel to the superhero genre but that's the main thing like the main distinction is an aesthetic one
1: yeah absolutely they're not they're not I was I was joking a little. no no they're not exactly a... the same but like in terms of it's just fancy magic it's fancy <laughs> magic it
0: is fancy magic yeah And actually, like you saying that, I got such a Buffy feel from this uh, book throughout, which I think is a deliberate nod on Murphy's point. She talks about Buffy a number of times. Faith is a Mm. fan of Buffy. Um, But it did have such a Buffy the Vampire Slayer feel, which was really, really fun. And that, I would say, is fantasy.
1: Yeah, but it's very fun. And I I particularly, I have gotten slightly into the genre of like the recent we're starting to get superheroes that aren't just, um, you know, cis, straight, thin, attractive white people, and I do very much and into that genre superhero.
0: Yeah, so you know what, let's just jump right into it, because, like, we're, 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 we are we're could talk about superheroes and the, the genre and whatever the fuck, but, like, the exciting thing about this book is that it is about a queer fat superhero. Um, mm-hmm. That is the thrilling part of this. <laughs> and yeah. I really, really appreciated that uh, both her queerness and her fatness were treated as very commonplace. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't and this is I mean, this is something that Julie Murphy just it's the wonderful niche that her books fill that that was really, really needed in the genre of writing fat protagonists very matter-of-factly there's no big struggle to accept her body there's no I wish I were thin and I learned to love being fat it's just it is how her body is and she's aware of the effects um that institutional fat phobia has on her uh but she is not like struggling with her identity in any way around her fatness it's something that's very matter of fact and her queerness is treated the same way
1: yeah i very much like how how her queerness is written how it's treated um and yeah how it's like she is sort of on this journey still a little bit of like figuring out her sexuality but like not in any kind of like fraught way she's just like feeling it out which i think is very much like the experience of a lot of kids these days which is really cool
0: absolutely and I I mean I really appreciate there's a little there's a little baby love triangle at one point in it or really it's really just a nod to a love triangle where Faith has on the one hand a really big crush on a boy who she's known and loved for a long time and on the other hand this this huge potent crush on Dakota because you know she's a cool actress who bursts into her life and uh really love bombs Faith from the beginning. Um, And the use of that term brings me into the other point that I thought was fun and interesting and doesn't get depicted much, where the bisexual protagonist who's into both a guy and a girl, I should point out, Faith does not label herself as bisexual. I'm putting that uh, as a description, but it's not her uh, identity category. But she has a crush on a boy and a girl, and the one who turns out to be manipulating and using her is the girl. And we don't mm-hmm. see that that often.
1: And that's good
0: representation.
1: True. Yeah, it's very, in. like, I think that that whole relationship arc is very, like, well portrayed. Because, like, right from the very beginning, I had, like... Va- like from the beginning, I thought it was being set up as like a good relationship, and I was like, I think that there are problematic power dynamics in this from yeah. the start. Mm-hmm. I don't love this, and then and then it was like, well, like they're sort of addressing it, but not really. I'm still like kind of uneasy about it, um, and then and then of course it does turn out in the end that yeah, uh, Dakota is not a great person and not doing great things. And so I thought that was was well done.
0: So here are the red flags. I'm just going to walk through the red flags because as they kicked up, I was pretty sure that this was not going to turn out to be uh, uh, lauded as a healthy relationship, however that worked out. Um, And so here are how the red flags came up for me. First, uh, Dakota is in her early 20s. There's an age dynamic between the two. Um, and Faith is 17. So Faith, and this is like a, a plot, it's a significant plot point that Faith is not yet 18. This comes up at several points because mm-hmm. there are concerns about her uh, guardianship because her grandmother is diagnosed with dementia. So Faith is not 18.
1: <laughs>
0: and mm-hmm. Dakota is in her early 20s. Faith is finishing high school. Dakota is a woman with a career. Um there's a, there's a real significant gap there and so that was the first red flag that I was just like eh she's never addressing this like there's never a point at which she's like oh I really like this person I need to point out yes and you are 17 um, the second one mm-hmm. is is when Dakota uh, does not like the I think the, the big red flag for me was when Faith brings her friends to a party who are also Dakota fans, at least Matt is, and Dakota's like, yeah, I'll put them on the list, and then they get there, and Dakota separates them by saying, like, mm. no, Faith, you come into the VIP section, your friends can't come, I can't get bands for them separating the person you're seeing from their friends and isolating them is a huge red flag for abuse that's that's something that like you look for if you're worried about somebody right
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you look to see
0: are they getting to know your friends are they making connections with your friends are they accepting your friend group as part of you Um, and, and as soon as there's like this isolation and this division, that's a really big red flag. So like, basically as soon as that happened, I was like, I don't think, I don't think this is going to be a happily ever after for these two, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is interesting because it happened early on in the book. But I think it's cool to have a book that sort of, you know, Faith has hesitations every time that happens. She'll have a little minute of like, eh, this isn't great. And I think it's really good to, to put that into a book that's for youth. To be like, yeah, mm-hmm. this isn't good. This isn't a good sign. This isn't a good thing. And then, of course, there are, like, more. I do want to get into talking about Dakota's fat fetishism because I was – I really loved seeing that depicted and I loved the way it was depicted. Um, But there's just, like, a lot of little, little red flags in the middle of what looks Mm -hmm. like a really, like, dream, exciting situation where you meet your celebrity crush and it turns out you're your celebrity crush's celebrity crush,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that – I did also, like, really, like, even right from that premise of, like – I mean, yeah, it's kind of the fact that it's, like, Faith is supposed to also be her celebrity crush, but, like, right from the beginning that it's, um, like, a celebrity sort of pursuing just a normal person. Like, we hear a lot of stories about that and it almost always being abusive dynamics. Mm. So I like that we have... I kind of like that we have a book that I, depicts it and depicts, like, it being something the character's really excited about at first, but then, like is sort of a cautionary tale about that. Yeah, that's
0: a really good point. Deliberately seeking out and targeting your fan um, for, for a relationship is not really a good, it's not, it's not a green flag, shall we say.
1: Like there, there are a lot of abuse stories that that way.
0: Yeah. So then of course, like what happens is we, as we find out sort of secondhand through Whitney that this is a pattern, right? And Dakota tries really hard to spin that story but it sounds like exactly mm-hmm. the same story where there was somebody who was a big fan Dakota found her, sought her out and established a relationship with her and then discarded her and it's really interesting yeah. to me that Dakota was just very upfront about that, but spinning it. Anyway, it's it's good, it's fascinating, it's really well written and I really appreciated seeing that dynamic I appreciated it not having to develop to the point where Faith was isolated and discarded. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that the relationship, yeah, that it didn't progress, right? There were a bunch of warning signs. And then Faith discovers sort of independently that Dakota is not a great person. And that's that. And she doesn't have to go through the like harrowing experience of a drawn out abusive relationship. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because, like, that's good too, right? Like, depicting that you can catch red flags early in a relationship and leave the relationship, that's good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's a it's a happy ending to that yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Matt and Chess? Yeah, let's talk about Matt and Chess. So Matt and Chess are uh, Faith's best friends. Um, and I, I really like how their friendship is depicted. Um, and especially, um, there's a lot of, like, exploration in this book about... Faith has some insecurity in her friendship with the two of them because they have known each other a lot longer than she has known them, even though I think she has known them since she was, like, in middle school. Mm -hmm. But they've known each other since they were, like, toddlers. And I like how we sort of, like, see that play out for Faith, but also see her friends very consistently, like, recognizing that she feels insecure about that and just, like, reassuring her. And I really think it's a really, like, lovely friendship dynamic
0: yes absolutely um honestly like at the beginning of the book I went back and was like I, I went back after I made this assumption and was like oh okay I-, I was wrong about this but I got the impression and I don't know why I got this impression because it is definitely not written in the text and it's definitely like explicitly not written in the text but I got the idea that they were dating um no which is really I silly think- because Matt is gay uh and 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 a few pages in I was like, This is not the right impression um and went back and read it and was like, Okay, I don't know where I got that impression from.
1: But yeah, they're I very, under- very close. I understand where you got the impression though, because Faith is very Faith is very concerned about being a third wheel. Even yes. though they're not a couple, yeah, faith like really like sees herself as a third wheel in that relationship a lot of the time, even though they don't see her that way mm-hmm. um so I can see why you initially before like cluing in, oh wait this this guy is gay that's they're not in a relationship. I can see ha- where that came from, yes, absolutely,
0: and that's kind of fun like it's it's kind of fun to like recognize this is something we talked about um caddy and i talked about when we were talking to erica and matt about uh matthew about um let's talk about it the uh the sex ed resource they had written that touches on jealousy and talking about navigating jealousy when your friends are in relationships and friendships and i think it's really really good to see healthy depictions of navigating jealousy in friend groups because jealousy happens in friend groups as much as it happens in romantic relationships. And uh, yeah, I liked how in this book relationships are just relationships, whether they're friendships or crushes or dating or whatever. Um, I felt I really got the sense that they were all kind of written on the same footing. There wasn't any like emotional distinction between the bond you have to somebody through friendship and the bond you have to somebody through dating. Um, mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. That's something I've seen more and more developing in, in writing and in culture. And it's something I really appreciate.
1: Yeah. I really, especially, and I think this, this ties into that, like really, especially appreciated how conflict is like handled so well. And so overtly in their friendship, like we get these beautiful depictions of them being mad at each other and then having like, Healthy relationship building conflict resolution and and faith sort of being in the process kind of disabused of this notion that that her friends don't care about her and like will leave her easily and i just really liked that
0: yeah the conflict resolution is really superb and like as you were saying that i was just making this connection in my head of like i feel like for me personally, as a teenager, I was a lot better at conflict resolution in friendships than in relationships. And that was very much because there was this idea that a relationship is like a completely different kind of of relationship, um, of social interaction. And like you can't ask for the same things from your relationship as you can from your friends. And um I feel like that is what's breaking down that idea that like dating is somehow a special category with a different set of emotional navigation tools um and i mean a lot of that i could go off we could go off on this i'm sure because a lot of that came from like boys and girls are different (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which is like thankfully a distinction that is almost obsolete at this point. Um, yeah, I I think that maybe part of why those kind of distinctions are breaking down in books is because we're finally kind of breaking down that distinction in real life and going like no, of course you can tell the person you're dating that you're upset or jealous or feel abandoned or whatever. Yeah, so it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Also, another note on their little trio is that they're in Minnesota, um, so Midwest, and uh, they're a racially and sexually diverse group of friends. Um, all of mm-hmm. them, are, all three of them are queer. There's no, like, there's no, like, black sheep um, um, syndrome going on where they're like, we're the band of misfits who hang out together. They're just three people who, like, they're to just friends. Out. Yeah, and yes, they're all queer. <laughs> Uh, and that's really nice. That's, again, that's the representation that youth deserve. hmm And, okay, I'm sorry. Did you have something you want to say before I keep just jumping on this love pile?
1: No, I, I agree. I hadn't thought of that before, but they're like, yeah, they're a close group of friends, but they're not like a band of misfits or like the only people any of them talk to. It's just they're a closer group of friends. And that is really lovely. The other thing that I really like is, and this goes into conflict resolution, But it also, this book models really well, like, talking about in their group of friends, like, differences in, like, marginalization and, like, having to, like, understand each other. Like, I really love that we have this sort of subplot about how, um, like, chess takes school way more seriously than the other two. And sometimes that bothers them. But, like, they also have to, to some extent, get their heads out of their asses about it because they, like understand and have to remind themselves that like chess stresses out about this because the only way she's going to be able to go to college is if she gets a really good scholarship mm-hmm. which is not something the other two have to worry about and they really like that.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the, the learning to accept each other for who they are is really really nice. The other thing there's a scene that I treasure in this book that I, I think emotionally I will hold close to my heart for a long time, where they all go over to... Uh, it's to Faith's house to get ready for to go clubbing. And Max brings his clothes, and Faith, of course, has all her clothes, and they're swapping clothes and, you know, trying them on. But uh, Chess got dressed already because she's too small for Faith and Mac- Matt's clothes. And that was... I mean, I know why Julie Murphy put this scene in. Uh, because when we have a trio of friends in YA Lit, it's usually two skinny people and the one fat kid. And having the scenario where it's the two fat kids and their one skinny friend, and she's the one who's left out of the ritual of trying on each other's clothes, was so, so healing. It was so soothing. Like, because, like, I don't know, I, like, I've definitely for a long time been the biggest person in my friend group and, like, not been able to go to clothes swaps. And everybody's like, why do you ever go shopping when you can just go to a clothes swap? And I'm just like, well, because I can get scarves at clothes swaps. <laughs> um, it, it was so, so satisfying and lovely to see that scene and to see the fat kids not getting left out it was just it it was so good like i've talked about i know i think i teared up when we reviewed the sisterhood of the traveling pants three years ago at the scene where carmen is trying on the pants and like to be clear carmen is not written as a fat character she's written at a as a 2004 fat character which is to say she's a size you know six or something um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, and that's a whole thing but like there's the scene where she's trying on the pants and she's like there's no way these are gonna fit me and they do and there's she has that sense of like acceptance and um, this scene is like the the non-2000s diet culture version of that scene right where instead Mm -hmm. of the quote-unquote fat friend Gaining acceptance into thinness Gaining a veneer of thinness and acceptability And I mean I could talk about how when we see The the sisterhood as adults Carmen is skinny um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Sure could talk about that uh, <laughs> So she's not effortlessly skinny But we're not talking about the sisterhood of the traveling pants today But maybe we should soon um, <laughs> To see it and to see it just being To see two friends of the same size swap in clothes, having fun, and their skinny friend. Like, it's not that, okay, I want to make it clear that the joy does not come from seeing a skinny person left out.
1: No, no, I, we understand that that's not what you're saying. But it's that the trope has been turned on its head. Exactly. And the fat characters get to participate in something that is almost always reserved for thin characters.
0: Like, why, when 50% of the adult population is, quote-unquote, overweight, why, in media, do we only see one fat friend? Is what I would like <laughs> to know. There's always the token fat friend. And it is nice to see fat people in community, and I want to see more fat people in community. hmm
1: Yeah, this book had, like, a few really lovely moments of that. Mm-hmm. Um... That were really great.
0: Yeah, there's the um there's the oh goodness, what's her the, name? The
1: the She's the the costumer slash prop person for the show. That's yes. who you're talking about?
0: Yeah, who is who I want to be when I grow up, quite frankly.
1: <laughs> uh, and now I can't remember True. her name. I don't either. She was yeah, I don't remember her name.
0: Uh but she is fantastic. Like and when um Faith meets her for the first time. She looks at her and is right away like, oh, tell me where to get plus size clothes around here. Because like, oh, man, this is a desert. And um, Faith is really taken aback by it. But she's like, oh, yeah, this is where you go. And uh, and then at the club scene um, when she arrives, God, I wish I could remember this character's name because it's bugging me to not use her name. When she sees her at the club, she's like they have another exchange and faith thinks to herself like that she is both really inspired by but also really uncomfortable with the way this character embraces and celebrates her fatness um Mm. and that was such a nice little note of just like a teenager meeting her first like we get the sense that that faith has had like maybe body neutral fat adults in her life but she's never met somebody who's just like so comfortable and so proud of her body and she has this kind of little spark of like i would also like to be that way i would like to not just accept my body but to like cherish and enjoy and celebrate my body um Mm -hmm. and that's such again such important representation uh and like yeah fat people
1: fat people everywhere like in real life (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. It's 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 very good. It's I mean we expected nothing less because because this author is great for that specifically and just in general. But yeah.
0: Julie Murphy is one of my like one of my big literary crushes, frankly. Like I love the way she writes so much. Um mm-hmm. there was a there was a quote that I actually wrote down and it's very early in the book. It's on page sixty in the in the Kindle format. But Faith says as much as I love The Grove which is the the sitcom and Kingdom Keeper and Buffy and Harry Potter and X-Files and Wonder Woman and Squirrel Girl and X-Men and every other fandom where I found friendship and hope one thing I've never found is someone having a crush on a fat girl and that quote was just like that's that's it that's the the center of it that's the nugget of it um is that fat girls get passed over again and again and again in the media They're never the object of attraction. If they are, it's a joke, which is what we see with like um, Melissa McCarthy's whole entire canon after Gilmore Girls. And this is just barely starting to change. Uh, We've seen this change with Rutherford Falls, which I can't wait to watch. But the idea, I love that she said somebody having a crush on a fat girl. Not somebody falling in love with a fat girl, not somebody kissing a fat girl, but the fat girl being the object of attraction. Um, the object of sustained attraction over several years because she's talking about Johnny at this point that is so missing and it does happen but mm-hmm. it's, it's rarely represented and it's never celebrated and when you are fat that is really devastating and and You know, I talked about Faith taking her fatness as a point of fact in this story, which is true, but part of that point of fact is realizing, recognizing that she has a lot of trouble seeing herself as desirable because she has never seen herself culturally as desirable because that's not an image that our culture shows us. So this is, yeah, this is the good representation. I want to read all of Julie's Murphy's books and then take a bath in them. (laughs) Fair So actually, that is a good segue because I I do want to talk about this before we wrap up today. I want to talk about the difference between that that I just talked about of having a crush on a fat girl because people fall in love with whoever and crush on whoever. And what is sort of hinted at uh, repeatedly with Dakota, which is fat fetishism. This is not something that is outrightly stated in the book, but it is heavily implied that Dakota exclusively dates fat girls. And when Faith kind of confronts her about it at one point, she she doesn't she won't even say fat. She says girls with generous curves, which is like the euphemisms are such a red flag. Whenever mm. somebody doesn't want to outright say fat or talk about fatness in frank terms that is a red flag that is something that i personally am really uncomfortable with and so at the beginning it's sort of exciting for faith like dakota flat out says again this character whose name i can't remember um she says like yeah and she's smoking hot and faith is like oh you think fat girls are hot that's cool um but then it becomes really clear that dakota just targets this demographic and like i mean anybody who is "Quote unquote," other understands innately. I think the difference between being fetishized and being loved. It, mm-hmm. it it's something that you intuit. It's just it's just something that is off. But I super appreciated having that as a foil because, like, fatness is beautiful and fat bodies are beautiful in their fatness, not despite of it, not despite it. But it is really icky when that part of yourself is made the main thing Mm -hmm. and I think when we take it into account with Dakota's other patterns as a character there's also like a certain sense of targeting people who probably have lower self-esteem that because like fetishism is a power thing there's like a sense of like other people don't like this about you but I do so like you owe me something and I just really, there's so much packed into this book. There's so much nuance around fat politics packed, in, packed into this book that I didn't expect from it. I expected excellent representation. I didn't expect her to be able to pack like all of fat liberation into 350 pages, and that's really, that's really impressive. It's really impressively done. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um also folks if you're curious about fat liberation if you're hearing me talk about this because i don't think we've gone quite as in depth into this before if you want to know more like always feel free to hit me up i can send you accounts to follow uh it's really important and you should learn about it
1: indeed so like also there's superheroes in this book (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i also would really love to talk about grandma lou shortly before we wrap yeah yeah we can do that i think we have Mm time for that yeah I really like Grandma Lou, and I like, um, so one of the side, sort of a side plot in this book is Faith's grandmother, who is her caregiver because her parents died when she was a child, starts to develop dementia. It's a really, like, beautiful and very sad portrayal, but also, like, I think, I just love how, like, their relationship is portrayed in that, and... And, and just, like, their care for each other. I also really liked, because I kind of, I suspected, I wasn't sure if it was going to end up that, like, oh, she doesn't actually have dementia. It's a weird, su- like, a super villain is doing something to her and now she's fine. And I'm glad that it wasn't that. And it was just, like, the faith dealing with this thing that a lot of people have to deal with. Full full disclosure, this probably hit me a little bit more because my, my grandmother had Alzheimer's um but i really so i really liked how that was portrayed and especially this like beautiful scene that we get at the end because at the end of the book they're sort of entering into this territory where where grandma lou is starting to decline but she's also still lucid a significant portion of the time um and you get a sense of like how precious faith understands that to be um and you get this beautiful scene where like Faith Faith doesn't talk overtly about her sexuality necessarily. She's still kind of figuring out. But you get this scene where Grandma Lou is basically just like acknowledges that she has observed that Faith likes both girls and boys and is just kind of like, you know that I love you and accept you and everything, right? And it's just this beautiful, beautiful moment that is, of course, it's a little soured because Faith has just figured out that Dakota is not who she thought she was. But it's, it's this really beautiful moment. And I love that, um, that we see Faith getting to have that. Um, And I think it's just a lovely like moment of a caregiver navigating really well the like, I think that my kid is queer, but they haven't talked to me yet. But I want them to know that I love them and support them. And it's just really lovely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you really hit on it with when you said like the care they have for each other. Um, that really hit me that that resonates is really really true that they are taking care of each other and this is the first time that faith has realized that grandma lou is old right and and does need care Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the coming out scene is really lovely and you said about like that it's bittersweet because faith has just figured out that dakota is not who she says she is but at the same time as you said that i was just like you know I think it's really good to have coming out stories where it's like this relationship didn't work out this relationship wasn't what I thought it was but this is still true about myself and like mm-hmm. because figuring out your sexuality is something that usually happens in your teens it's extremely likely that the people you figure out your sexuality with are not going to be the greatest relationships that last your whole life and, and fill your life with sunshine like when I think about the the handful of girls that I had things with in high school, they were all steeped in shame and people I don't speak to anymore, right? But, like, <laughs> but that doesn't make me less queer. That doesn't make it less true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like having that. I mean, this is obviously a dramatic situation. We don't always discover that our first girlfriends are super villains or like super villain lackeys I guess I feel like super yeah, villain is I maybe think too like big super big villain to,
1: accomplice
0: yeah super villain adjacent what's yeah. what's like slightly what's a step down from super <laughs> I guess that's just a villain hey mundane villain, <laughs> mundane villain. quotidian villains um But yeah, that's cool. Like, seeing that is cool. Uh, I know we, like, we just talk about this all the fucking time, but, like, good representation means there are lots of stories with lots of angles and lots of ends. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's good.
0: I had one quibble with this book, and I saved Mm -hmm. it for the end because mostly I am without quibbles. And Mm -hmm. this time it is not... A joke that I didn't get this time it's a real quibble um I was so confused by the prologue it happens so fast you, like, meet Faith, and then suddenly she meets a guy. So, like, she randomly goes to meet a guy off the internet, and that goes from, like, zero to supervillain real fast, and then she's locked in a bunker, and then she comes out, and you don't know what happened. And that happens in, like, 25 pages. <laughs> and, like, I understand that with, like, superhero genre or whatever, you often have these, like, quick establishing scenes. Um, I did not like how that was incorporated into the book. Mm-hmm. I, I really it was jarring uh it didn't feel connected to the story really to me.
1: Yeah like I feel like towards the end like we kind of get more of that connection but Mm -hmm. I also felt that way like I felt like the one thing this book suffered from was possibly trying to squeeze too much into one book Mm -hmm. um in terms of like just like purely in terms of plot basically But you know,
0: I feel that even if it had been incorporated as flashbacks throughout the book, and I know that flashbacks throughout the book are like not as in as a conceit as they were when I was in high school. Uh, And thank God for that, frankly, because oh my God, remember those books with like five different protagonists and all the flashbacks and you never knew what the fuck was going on. Um, (laughs) But I did feel like it was a little a little top heavy, shall we say. Mm -hmm. with the exposition yeah
1: (laughs) yeah no I can I can absolutely agree with that um I also yeah like I felt that way for sure I want to give Julie Murphy the credit of like she was working within an established universe and potentially like a set of things she had to explain in this book yes so so I feel like like that's I'm gonna cut her like a little bit of slack there because of that But, yeah, that part was a little bit kind of rushed and confusing.
0: Listen, Julie Murphy can do no wrong in my eyes. So, like, I'm I'm entirely willing to put the blame of that on whatever faceless publishing executive I have to put it on. You're good, Julie. We love you. I, I think if there's anything that, like, I have learned. So the podcast turned three this week. And that's really true. exciting. We've been doing this for three years. That's like a whole person. I don't know.
1: It's cool. And... Um, mm-hmm. Well, the podcast is old, which has always been true, but I'm just thinking of this right now. The podcast is older than your youngest child, and he can, like, walk and talk and stuff now.
0: Uh Yes. The podcast is... I'm trying to think about this. I was pregnant with him when we started recording. Yes. But I was not very pregnant with him. I was, like, a little bit pregnant with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because I think I found out I was pregnant in early March, and we started recording in April. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's older than he is. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's
0: pretty cool. But something I've absolutely learned uh, from this process is, like, how much books are not only the creation of the author. Like, Mm yeah. Yeah obviously the author's name is on the cover for a reason (laughs) they are primarily the work of the author but uh, i've really loved talking with authors about their process and finding out how much of it comes from uh, just different parts of the process and it's really really cool and i appreciate knowing that about books Mm -hmm. yeah fair yeah i think it's cool one more little note If you're interested in... I know I said before you can talk to me if you're interested in in fat politics and learning more about fat liberation, but actually I want to make a podcast recommendation. Um, If you are like even a little bit aware of anybody who is a little bit aware of fat liberation, you've probably heard of this podcast, but uh, Maintenance Phase, hosted by Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs... um, is a truly truly excellent resource they walk through uh all of the elements of diet culture um they talk about dieting they talk about fat like various fad diets but they also talk about eating disorders with specialists in and um it's Excellent. It's it's so, so, so good. So if you want to learn more about why BMI is a racist discrimination tool and doesn't tell you anything about body health, uh, if you want to find out about um, who uh, actually has the is most likely to have an eating disorder because it's probably not who you think. If you want to learn more about how nutrition is not even remotely related to diets, you should check out Maintenance maintenance Phase. I will link it in the show notes this week. Definitely hop over there and give it a listen. Um, it's really, really, really important. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at yeah podcast and individually at Tepper bear and at the Balesosaurus.
0: if you like this show and you want to help us make it even better and you want to give us a little birthday present maybe consider supporting us on patreon you can get all kinds of great perks including early access to bonus content shout outs guest appearances and more head to patreon.com yeah podcast to donate shout out to our patrons Katherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron.
1: We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. You can also always support us for free by leaving a
0: rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing
1: this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com.
0: This episode was produced by me, Tephra Ejemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.
1: Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer Representation. French. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Blood. Moose. Moose and Squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons & Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.